Hello, Paul here. Thank you for deciding to put this podcast in your ears, these conversations with people who make things about the what, the how and the why of their creativity. If you haven't already, then why not subscribe via Apple Podcast or whatever your streaming portal of choice is. It's on most of them. And if you are interested in creativity, making the things that are most important to you and how to bring all of that more deeply into everyday life, then you might find some stuff of interest at my website, paulmacaulay.net. Give that a second. And that's it. Thank you again and enjoy the episode. I often find it very challenging recording these little intro and outro bits, and I think it's because I'm talking to myself. Um, And, you know, I'm just projecting out into into the void. What helps, you see, is I've got someone to talk to. You know, this is why I record conversations with people. So right now I am literally talking to a small figurine of Brie Boy. Brie Boy is a character from Tim Burton's illustrated poetry book, The Melancholy Death of Oyster Boy. Hello, Brie Boy. Oh, look at my weird bug eyes. My weird, weird cheesy Brie head. So it's been a challenging couple of weeks for various reasons. And one of the things I've looked forward to most in it is writing. I've really appreciated being able to squirrel myself away and go and write about other people and kind of get immersed in, you know, the mechanics and details of that world, you know. It's a bit of escapism, isn't it, really? And writing's a bit of a theme, really. Um, feels like of the, of the last week. And in this week's podcast conversation with Hattie Jones who is a writer and performer. We talk a lot about writing, actually, like the, you know, the real practice of it in a day-to-day getting things done kind of way. Hattie's written theatre, she's uh, created a web series and short films. So we talk about those projects and also how she's developed her writing practice. If you're a writer or if you know a writer, then this is a really good episode, I think, for some of that real uh, practical uh inspiration and encouragement about actually getting things done and that's what Hattie does so here is me uh and Hattie in her home in uh, London having a chat on a Sunday afternoon in those moments of flow you know there's a great sense of skill like anyone who sits there and goes oh that's a talent I can't draw just hasn't had the right teacher Actually, so it's not, you know, you have to write so many things, so much stuff that'll never go on. Because if it's not getting any reaction at all, or just a man, it'll just work out what should go on. Try it harder. So it's having that sense of, well, I'm just making stuff because I know there'll be someone out there and they'll need it and they'll have it. It's something actually that I've, I find tricky mm. because I feel like I do lots of things and I wear lots of hats Ooh, depending on the project. Cool. What's on the hat stand then? So on the hat, oh, on the hat stand. Um, <laughs> I think I am a writer um, and an actor and sometimes a sort of co-producer but only if it's really my own work. I don't produce other people's work but if I've written my own project I wouldn't be the I wouldn't be the primary producer but I kind of like to play some sort of producing role in it Mm. even if it's unofficial (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and but also I sometimes prefer to describe myself as a performer rather than an actor and what's that I think it's almost like 
being in, being a performer feels more open to me somehow. The the word performer, mm. it feels like it's more fluid in terms of style, and maybe that's just how I see it. But sometimes the work I do, I like to play a version of myself, um. and I feel like the word performer. Uh, describes that better than the word actor. Actor to me it sounds like, well, I'm, uh, I'm showing up to perform a function for someone else's kind of vision yes. or something like that. Performing yes. sounds like it's like anchoring you a bit more closely to something that's coming from you. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. So that's interesting that you uh, make that distinction because that's one, that's one of the reasons I was interested to talk to you because um, I know you, well, principally I've known you as an actor and we worked, yeah. worked together yeah. in that capacity. And then since I've known you, um, I understand that you, know, you originate work and you continue to do so and you do more of that as a writer and in and, and, and other ways. Um, and I think it's interesting, uh, this thing about um, kind of enabling work to come from you rather than mm. putting yourself into, you know, uh, other people's stuff and is that it sounds like that being a bit of a continuum a bit of a journey because you because acting yeah was, I trained as an actor yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at drama school and definitely would have only called myself an actor for the first probably five years of graduating just an actor mm. and then I started making my own work um with Amani who yeah. I know you know has had on the podcast yeah, I love yeah. that episode <laughs> um so we started making our own work and I think maybe not straight away, but gradually, as I have continued to do that and writing more, um, I don't feel like I'm only, not only an actor, but it just feels like it doesn't really um, describe what I do because it feels, yeah, I don't know, just it doesn't feel like it encompasses all of it. Did you uh, did you notice then you started to do stuff outside the sphere of what? an actor would be and you kind of needed to catch up with yourself in terms of how you named yourself or was it a conscious thing like I you know I need to go beyond um, playing roles yeah I don't think it was conscious actually I think it came from a point of just wanting to be acting more and wanting to play the kind of roles that I wanted to play and maybe weren't available yeah at that time Um, I also think that since when we first started making work I think people were starting to do it, actors were starting to do it more, mm. but it wasn't as common. Whereas I think now, when actors come out of drama school, people are very quick to say, you've got to start making your own work, you've got to be putting you, your writing nights on and going and doing that stuff. Well, I don't think it was as common then. Mm. So I think it, we, we were still kind of finding our way through like how how this is going to work mm. and I and so it definitely hasn't been conscious it's definitely felt like a gradual um sort of uh journey to getting to the point now where I would yeah call myself a performer yeah so it's kind of like a bigger shift because that's true actually and I remember speaking I can't remember who it was someone was in conversation with like Years and years ago, but I think before, you know, the idea of being a, you know, a hyphenate or a multi-hat yeah. wearer, um, before, when that was kind of frowned upon in a way, there was kind of this purism about, like, you know, well, you're an actor or you're a writer or a yes. director and don't mix the stuff together. And I kind of wonder what drives that. Is it just about um, 
I don't know, empowering yourself in a in a tough landscape to create opportunities and I don't know because yes, it's yeah, it's so interesting you say that. I think that's so true. People used to be so clear cut about what you did. Mm. You were either an actor, you were a writer, and maybe a few people managed to kind of do both. Yes, but it wasn't it wasn't kind of advised or yeah recommended necessarily yeah as long as it seemed like it was muddying the waters in terms yeah. of what people could expect of you but it's kind of weird in a way because you kind of think well acting writing whatever you're in a creative discipline and most people with um following that kind of creative path that have multiple interests yes, and abilities yeah. and you might have i have this theory about you might have a first instrument you know yeah acting or writing that's what i first learned to play and yeah what I, what I go back to but um you can do many many more things and yeah I think it's interesting, yeah, how the landscape's changed. Just completely jumping onto a different thing. So there's um, a couple of uh, pieces of work um, that you have out like this year. So you did you did a little bit, uh, you did a, a short play at Miniaturist at the yes, October. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was Notice. Notice, yeah. And also Portraits with Amani. Yes, yeah. Uh, which is um, just debuted like last week this yeah week? we had it um the the premiere was at underwire festival oh, cool can you tell time. me what those things are because i haven't last seen Tuesday. either of them yes well, yeah because you and and you uh you wrote and performed in both uh, yes yeah, right? so yeah. yes okay. yes um portraits is an anthology series of five short films mm. and i wrote two of them and in one of them and then there were other writers who wrote on the other ones mm. um including amani um and yeah, so they, I didn't, I didn't do it, but with notice, that was the one I did at the Arcola, a play mm. directed by Tim Cook, yep. The Broken Silence, another one of our mutual. Timbo, <laughs> shout out to Tim. So um, I had a, I had a, a full length play on the year before called That Girl, and I really wanted to write a short play. Minnie saw that girl, and then got in touch with me um, to write something for the art for the miniaturist at the Arcola. And I wanted to write something um, completely different and just try something out that I'd never had a full-length play for in order to really just see if something had legs and Mm -hmm. if I wanted to develop it. Um, So I wrote it. I wrote it quite quickly. It's a a 15-minute play. And I think I only had about six weeks' notice. Or notice. (laughs) I had about six weeks to write it. Um, And so I was spending kind of like... Because I have a day job that I, you know, do. So I was spending kind of one day of my weekend for, for a couple of weeks just writing it. And, yeah, actually it came quite quickly. But then I suppose I'd had the idea. I don't know if you have this. I have an idea in my head for a while. Yeah. And I make notes and things. And then sometimes when you, when you actually come to write it, it comes quite quickly. Mm. Because you've actually been kind of thinking about it. Quite it quite yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Like coming out. Um, and... And portraits. So the 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 script you wrote for that was was that something that came from uh, an idea that had been hanging around for you for a yeah. while, or was that? So Amani came up with the idea for portraits yeah. and asked me to write a piece for it. And the piece I wrote initially, um, portrait of an expert. I had thought it. So it was portrait of an expert is about. Um, a woman who goes to the internet mm-hmm. um, to look for the next leader of the United Kingdom in a vlogging style that for a few years I was really into watching kind of beauty vlogs. Right. Um, you know, explaining how you do your eyeshadow or that kind of thing. And and on a basic level, it is that, but there's something very addictive about them for, for me. 
And um, even though I'm not that into eyeshadow, <laughs> there's something fascinating about watching people describing very kind of normal things. Mm. Um, and then they kind of take you on their day, or whatever. And I thought, okay, this is a great medium. I knew I wanted to write, well, I needed to write a monologue for Amani's portraits. Okay. And I thought, right, let's write a woman who is, here's one of these women, but she's actually very dangerous. So you think she's sweet and quite innocent and gentle and uh, approachable. And actually, as the, as the short film goes on, you realise she's got quite fascist right-wing <laughs> ideologies. And she's looking for um, a leader of the United Kingdom to be an overall leader, so we'll never need another general election ever again. Um, wow, and kind of a dictator, really. Exactly. She's basically she is looking for a dictator. And so, and I just love the idea of playing on, um, on the vlog style of something that seems so familiar and so easy to watch, and then and then you kind of realise halfway through, or maybe earlier or later, for, you know, depending on who you are, that actually, this is this is really dangerous. Mm. What you th- what you see is not always, uh, what you think you see is not always what's what you're actually watching. Yeah, and yeah. there is that sort of insidious undercurrent about stuff that's so easily consumed on the internet anyway. I think yeah, I yeah. I was talking to someone yesterday about, um, you know, the whole... It's very cynical, this kind of, you know, use of influencers to uh, market yeah. to, you know, often very young people. And, you know, there's there's a real machine behind yeah. some of it. Um, I'm not saying that all of it comes from that place. Oh, it makes me really want to see it, because I, I watched the trailer for that um, uh, again this morning. I can oh, see yeah. I can see like where that starts off and be interested to see where that yeah. goes. Um, another random question. Yes, yeah, please. <laughs> random, like tangential uh, changes. Um, what about yourself um, have you learned uh, in the last sort of year, you know, creatively? I work really well with deadlines. Mm. <laughs> Maybe we all do. Um... I think I'm quite brave. Maybe that sounds no. arrogant. No, no, no. How, 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 where does that show up for you? What, what, what do you think uh, think towards that makes you um, think that? I think if I have an idea and I think it's a good idea... I will do it, no matter kind of what other people think of the idea. Mm. I don't think I look for, uh, what's the word? I don't think I look for people to um, tell me something's a good idea before I've done it. Mm. I think after I've had something on, I like to know what people thought of the project, but I will happily go full force with something if I believe in it. Mm. That's, that's, um, that's a kind of, sounds like a very artistic impulse, you know, you have the vision for the thing and you're committed to realising it and without requiring the validation yeah. of, of other people to uh, enable it to, to happen, you know, let, let the work um, be judged for what it is rather than, you know, yeah, I think. It doesn't mean it's always necessarily my ideas are good, but I think I do 
believe in them. Mm. Well, that is that is a brave thing, especially when no one else can if no if no one else can quite see what, where you're going. I mean, I've, I've experienced that. It's like oh, I really think it's this, and uh, you can't quite explain it because, and ultimately, you probably can't explain it because making the thing is, is ex- the explanation. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where so I mean that is I, I do think that's an act of courage because some people I I know who. Um, find themselves stuck at the first hurdle of, of about fearing that other people aren't going to think it's a good idea mm. or you know they're, they're not equipped to make that idea happen so it's I think it's a real thing to be courageous in that but where do you think that comes from in you except it's a certain amount of self-belief doesn't it and a certain amount of confidence what's yeah. what sort of in your life has sort of equipped you with um, that sort of confidence or self-belief do you think um I think it's because I see a lot of theatre and I see a lot of film and always have done. Mm. And, I, and I just think that there's so much room for so many ideas and so many things to be brought to the table that if someone believes in something very strongly, then that is one of the most important things about bringing a creative project to life. Mm. And it's worth investing in that because you can't really make a wrong decision. Mm. I feel like if there's something I really creatively believe in, then I believe in it for a reason, and um, it's worth exploring. Mm. It can't be wrong. That's yeah. That's that's a really interesting idea because um, people again, people I think sometimes get hung up on the idea of right or wrong. Am I, am I being, you know, correctly creative? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not. It's about. Um, it's about difference and sort of unique perspective and all of that. Yeah, and passion and, and, and you're right that that can't be got wrong. Yeah. And there's also, it's interesting that you said uh, that you, because you see a lot of stuff. Yeah. And your sort of um, take on that is, oh, there's room for everyone. You know, a, di- a diversity yeah. of um, yeah. contributions to stuff. Yeah. Whereas some people, I think, are freaked out by the idea of, there's so much stuff and okay. I can't do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but you it sounds like you're kind of looking at that and saying well there's so much stuff and what why not add my voice to yeah. that which is a different way of coming at it but I've also learned some negative things not negative but oh, yeah. some not so well just things like I think I I find it hard to write and focus creatively if I'm tired mm. I know I know that sounds like a basic thing but I'm not I'm never going to be the kind of person that can get home after a long day of work and then spend three hours from nine till midnight writing. Mm. And I wish I was, because then I would get a lot more done. Have you, uh, have you found yourself battling with that? Like, why, you know, getting home at nine or whatever, why can't I write? I should be able to write. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, and I just can't focus and I can't, the ideas aren't coming. And you know, you kind of have this like romanticised idea of, just drinking loads of coffee and staying yeah. up till four in the morning creating I'll these ideas. Smoking, I'll yeah, get a typewriter. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, like, I'm just much more um, sort of um, boring. And I and <laughs> I I write better if I've had a good night's sleep and I've got up and maybe done a bit of yoga and then can sit down on a Sunday at you know ten a.m. and yeah. and have that day to write. Writing like a grown-up yeah. who actually takes care of themselves. Um, yeah, and I don't know if that is because I've got older or what, but um, I've learned that about myself. I need sleep 
and and actually that's something that this year I think my I think in order to have get creative projects on when you are working things have to go and that means like less big nights out not that I was yeah. getting big, big nights out but less kind of drinking and and sort of and actually just maybe going to bed on a Saturday at sort of 11 o'clock yeah yeah you viewing yourself as someone uh it needs to be taken care of so you can actually get that thing done. Yeah, because it won't get done for me otherwise. Yeah, and I wonder also, there's something about getting older where, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's true for you, but I found like younger, it's easy to do all-nighters or, you know, go, you know, have four hours sleep yeah, and yeah. do the thing. But there's something about getting older, older when I kind of realise that this is a marathon, it isn't a sprint, and if I want to have a sustained yeah. um, career, whatever that means, in uh, doing this thing, then I need to, you know, take it seriously and yeah. equip myself to be able to do it, rather than burning out and stuff. Yeah. Mm. That's a good one, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I mean, yeah. I think that, yeah. So, deadlines, sleep, and uh, being courageous in, in following the idea through... Yeah. Happen. Wow, that sounds like uh, that sounds. Like, <laughs> those are some big things. Those are important, you know, keystone kind of things. Deadlines. That's. I find that. Do you think most people work well best to deadlines? Probably. Uh, I don't know. Well, you've got to have. Some kind of when you say de- deadlines, do you mean self-imposed deadlines? Is there a, about something about accountability to other people? That I is think both motivating? actually. Right. Yeah. yeah. So what like setting deadlines for yourself? Like I'm going to write three pages by whenever or that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm going to get the first draft done today. Yes. And I'm just going to sit here till I get the first draft done. Yeah. That kind of thing, rather than like oh I'm just going to research this bit a bit more. Yeah. Oh I did a really great day researching today. <laughs> you know my play that I haven't written yet, and obviously that that's important. But you know, if you do say oh but I, I can research for a bit, but you do have to have the play written today. Yeah. That is. That does work. So you set better. yourself um, quite um, identifiable, kind of specific kind of goals. It's not like vague kind of. Uh, no, I like very specific. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I quite like rules as a person in general. <laughs> right. Okay. I quite like rules. Um, what, what kind of rules? Would I you think I live by quite a few rules generally. Yeah. I mean, not that I tell anyone this, but no, 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 I'm yeah. not even aware of it. But yeah, I quite like rules. I quite like bedtimes. Yeah, I like it. I try and have a bed. I, I don't always stick to it, but I have, like to have an idea of a bedtime. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> so um, it worked for me if I, even if, I remember when I was writing the notice, I, there was a day when I was like, well, I have to have it done today. Even if it's awful, it can yeah. be really awful, yeah. but it has to be done today. I think it was Tim that said this to me once. Mm. He said something like, it doesn't have to be good, you just have to get it on the page. That's great advice, isn't it? It doesn't have to, and that to yeah. knowing it doesn't have to be good. Yeah, is very liberating. Oh, hugely. Doesn't reward. have to be good. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like um, it's, it's it's a cousin, I think, to the thing that you said a little bit earlier about um, you know, it it can't be wrong. Mm. It's it, you know, it's not a failure or wrong if it's not that. It, it is what it is, and you can make it better. Yeah, yeah. Um, but liberating yourself from having to be perfect. Yeah. Because having to be perfect or get it right first off is just... Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you have to time. get it wrong for a long time before you can actually get it right. Yes. Yeah. So you might as well get on with it being wrong 
because the quicker you get through that, yes. then we'll get to the bit that's the Rip good bit. The band-aid yeah. off. And that's a real real skill, isn't it? When I often find like when you're typing that sentence, even as you're typing the letters, you think, this is shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you still finish the sentence. And that's like, that's like really showing up yeah. for that, isn't it? <laughs> oh my God, this is awful. Um, so like deadlines and rules, that's, um, that's kind of that's quite self sort of, self-motivating, self-actualizing thing because I think sometimes the idea of writing anything like a play or, or whatever, you've never done that before, it's so daunting because it's so like, you know, it's so big, you know, mm. and, and how do you get it that, that right? But um, there is something I think about the ability to be able to look at something you want to do and break it down yourself into chunks that you know you can motivate yourself to get through. And it yeah. sounds like you have that capacity. Yeah. And what about like um, accountability, like to other people? Like, do you find it useful if someone's expecting a draft from you? Or Definitely. Something? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I'm also I'm in a writing group as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, and yeah. we meet. Um, well, actually, it varies when we meet, but um, yeah, we meet Sundays, usually kind of every month, and then sometimes not for a few months, and then sometimes every other week or whatever, just depending on when when people are around. And that's been great, um, amazing. Not only have I learnt how to be a better writer but also as you say accountability showing up having something to prepare not feeling like you're you want to do anything but knowing you have to that day so you've got something to bring to writing group yeah that is so important like uh, i don't want to be shamed in front of all of these yeah and And also shamed but also just not get as much out of a session yeah if i've got nothing to bring to the session if i haven't done any work since the last one you know if you're if you're going to make the effort to go and do it you might as well actually yes do the work to bring to have something to get out there make it useful yeah was that um was that something you sought out or was it uh, so another writer more drum goal i don't know if you remember so she oh, set it up yes i know i think i recognize the name actually um and her so her she's her mum jessica drum um is our teacher who and she's amazing and Maud asked me a couple of years it's been going a couple of years now actually okay. if i was free on a sunday to come along her mum was going to do a lesson, and it's just carried on. Mm. So what's, yeah. um, what's the format of it? Is it a little bit of input and lesson? Um, is there any sort of critique or sharing? What, yeah, what, what kind of stuff? so we always do exercises. Yeah. Um, Jessica will give us exercises to do, um, and we'll, 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 we'll just sit in a room, a circle, doing our exercises. She'll say, you've got, but they're always quick, you've got 10 minutes, I want 10 lines, A and B, mm. and you know this objective or whatever the, the, the purpose of that particular exercise is. Then we'll all read them, read out, usually read out our scenes, and then maybe we'll do another exercise off the back of that one. You know, now we're going to set this a year later, or we're going to do this, or whatever. Right. And then we read that one out. And I remember in the beginning, when I first started going, I found it really nerve-wracking reading work out, yeah. especially if you've only been writing for 10 minutes. You know, not, not something you spent much time on, 10 minutes, Pen and paper. Yeah, really raw. Really raw, yeah. I found it really nerve-wracking. Yeah. But because I've been going for so long now, um, I don't feel nervous reading my workout. And even if people, you know, sometimes I read something out and I'm like, that was awful. But you know the week before everyone was like, oh, that was great. So you kind yeah. of feel um, liberated enough to read out your work, even if it's bad. Kind of that safe space yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, that's really, um, that's really helpful to kind of get over... Uh, your sort of you know fear about that and also to realize that you can just create 
stuff at any uh, drop of a hat. You know, yeah. if, you want, if you've got a bad idea, there'll be another one in two minutes. Exactly. Two minutes, yeah. You know, um, and that's that's a really empowering thing for I think for a young writer to learn. Yeah. Because um, otherwise, you can kind of it, it kind of demystifies this. Yeah, completely. But also writing so quickly, because sometimes, you know, it is awful. And then sometimes someone writes something, and it's brilliant. Mm -hmm. And you hear them read it out, and you think, you spent ten minutes on that, and that's absolutely brilliant. If you'd sat there for an hour, you couldn't have made that better. You know, like ten lines or something. It's just... And so sometimes, just, it is that. And Sometimes it it isn't, but sometimes it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the instant feedback thing as well, because you've you've got a room full of people saying, that was really good, and you, you know, you've got something or... Other, you know, by contrast, if you know, that that really sucks, I suppose you have a conversation about what could be improved in your learning. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, in those sort of small ways. Also, we share what we want to know from. So often, you know, someone will read something out and it's like, oh, that's great. I really want to know more about that part of it, mm. or I really think you should develop that bit of it. So you kind of go away with these ideas of like, oh, people like that, or people didn't like that. And I don't know. It just gives you a sense of what's interesting. Hmm. What's your relationship between like your work and yourself? And by that I mean... So it's so, really raining. It's really raining outside. God. For the listeners, it's really <laughs> raining outside. <laughs> um, I'm glad I brought my little Mac. Did you? Oh, well Indeed. done. That's Thank prepared. You. Out for the day. <laughs> um, uh, um, by that, yeah, so your work and yourself. Like, do you ever... Do you get caught up in the idea that a critique of your work is a critique of yourself, or do you have a sense of remove from that? You say, well, the work is the work, and I'm me, and oh, that's tricky. sometimes yeah. those things do get tangled up, you know, that sort of ego, kind of, this is my baby. Yeah, tot- uh, totally. I think that's always a tricky one. Mm. I think it depends who the... In an all honesty, I think it depends who the, cri- who the critic is, mm. where this is coming from for me. Mm. Um, I remember when I had that girl on and I read some of the reviews and I probably shouldn't have and I, it was after and everything but you know sometimes you find yourself annoyed or whatever because someone didn't get it and they didn't get and you feel like they didn't get you somehow you may get on a person they don't get me you don't get it right yeah and actually that's when you have to step away and go no it's not about you they don't know you they just saw your work yes and but it's frustrating because you kind of want them to get you, but you yeah. shouldn't want them to get you. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you kind of do. Um, and you feel like, oh, if I'd had a conversation with them, if I'd met them in the bar after, I could have explained that to them. This is why Won them good. over. Yeah. <laughs> um, I find it easier to take criticism from people who are close to me, I think, mm. actually. As long as it's sort of practical criticism. Yeah. Because I know that they, it's coming from the right place. And I know they do know me and do understand it, and so therefore I feel like they have every right to tell me what they do really you, think. Uh, do you invite feedback and criticism? Like, do you ask, um, you know, if it's like a work in progress or a show? I mean, do you do you seek out people's opinions on specific things or? Yes, I think uh, not formally. So I did. I have no, I, I did a read through of a play once, and I think we had a sort of question answer session at the end. Mm. And that was very interesting, very interesting, actually. Mm. Um, I, I guess I seek it out, but in an informal way. Right. After things, yeah. Okay. But maybe that's the thing to do. Is to, I know I've been to lots of things where people scratch nights and things where you have sort of yeah. forms you can fill in after, often anonymously, which is quite good. Mm.
cocktail for a minute. Yes, yeah. yeah. So this, uh, so describe it to... That was a year ago, actually, it was, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was October, was it? October? Uh, September. It was September, oh, wow. Um, so I wrote That Girl um, based on uh, of experiences I had had, um, but creating this make-believe character. Mm. So I wrote um, That Girl... Yeah, I think, yeah. I wrote it because I wanted to... I'd had this experience of being in a film when I was a child, and I thought, this is an amazing experience. I've never really made work about it. And not that... Oh, the door's being funny. And not that many people have had, would have had that experience as a child, and I just wanted to, to do something with it. But I didn't want to tell the true story of me, because it was quite boring. I Really, I was in a film, went back to school, carried on... Mm being a normal teenager. So I wanted to create this this character who struggled with the fact that she'd been in a film and couldn't move on from it and didn't want to be an actor anymore, was very successful in advertising, but could not shake the experience she'd had as a child. Mm. I thought it was... I thought it was... Someone could be like that and I could understand them being like that and I kind of liked her for it. And I found it quite difficult writing it, I suppose, because I did worry that people would think it was just me telling my story. Mm. And initially when I wrote the role, I had a, she had a different name to me. Mm-hmm. She, I can't remember what she... Oh, she was called Annika. And then Tim, who directed it, Tim Broken Silence, he was, I think he said, I think maybe we should call her Hattie. And I remember thinking, oh my God, calling her Hattie is so on the nose. Like It feels like... I'm just owning this as me. And I, for a few days, I was like, I can't do that. And then suddenly I just thought, like, oh, my God, I've got to do this. I've got to call her Hattie. And, and what was, what was the, the voice saying, you've got to do this? Where was that coming from? I think it was... Uh, I guess maybe it was ownership of something. Mm. The ownership and feeling like, okay, if people are going to think this is me anyway, let's just... Let's claim it. Mm. I'm doing that. I'm saying it's me, even though it's not me. But it's, it's a version of me. Could have been me, and it felt like the braver thing to do. Mm. Did it feel like a, um, a bit of heart and mouth moment? Kind of okay. I'm going to do this. Is, you know, you say it was brave. Did you feel like a vulnerable at all in doing Weirdly, that? Really, I didn't. I oh, felt okay. really safe in it. Okay. And I think maybe that was partly because of the, the team. You know, the other actors. Tim, the assistant director, um, the theatre, I felt really, I felt really secure doing that and I felt weirdly more secure calling the character my own name and yeah, owning it as mine and, um, and I kind of like the idea maybe that people might think it's me and it's kind of blurred lines and so you don't know what's true and what's not. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. don't mind if people think some of it's true that isn't, and kind of creates a, a conversation around the thing. Because um, there, there are a couple of things I noticed about that. Because I, I did read, or I was in the room, and you were doing an earlier version of the script. Mm. I think before you'd make that change around the name and and some other things. Um, and uh, so it was one thing I noticed. Okay, well, like because when I came to see the show, like, I didn't know how it developed. So I was like, "Wow, well, you've obviously made a choice to go that route on it." And the other thing I noticed was um, that 
in terms of the experience of the character it is this kind of it seemed to me like this kind of millennial or sort of 20 something coming to terms with some kind of existential angst about where your life is going relative to where you think you should be or where yeah. other people's are yeah. and stuff like that so it wasn't you know it felt like that that uh, background that you drew on from your own experience was lit, was just a background for some for you know a more present and universal that's what I would to, hope. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that did that did come across, and so I was thinking about that, um, both with you know your your relationship to that uh, way of sort of understanding that part of your life and owning that, and also your relationship to your own experience. I guess as a you know twenty something, and to what degree was writing the play about sort of understanding it in a new way? Was that you working something out in that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think. I think I wanted to write, as you said, I wanted to write a play that was universal to people and I wanted to write about being in my late 20s and living in a house share and having funny experiences with other people's partners or in the, you know, mm. all those things that happen when you're in a shared house. And um, I just wanted to add this extra element in about being in a film when she was a child because I just thought it made it more theatrical and it was something I could write about. Mm. And I think, but I think it, the root of the piece came more from feeling like I wanted to write about someone going through um, a period in their life where they're not really sure where they're meant to be putting their focus mm. and what's important and is it important to settle down? Is it important to keep having fun? Is it important to have a job or just, or a career? You know, are we earning money so that we can just live, you know, every day or, or is the career what we're, we're we're driving for and that's the lifestyle we want yeah that was really what I wanted to write about yeah that, that and that does feel like the question or the emotional heart of it but it's interesting that yeah you just it seemed like a you know a, a really wise choice to kind of draw on what you know your unique experience and then draw on yeah. what's present and like really a burning question for you I guess at some point maybe even still yeah um, that would resonate with other people it's kind of a, a smart you know that's uh Kind of I feel like is. that. I feel like that play put my twenties to bed in a way. Oh really? Because <laughs> I think I was was I thirty. I'm, I'm thirty one now, and I feel like I wrote that maybe when I was twenty nine or twenty eight, and I feel like doing the play, kind of put that. I don't yeah. know if you've ever had that with a with a project, but you've got these things, and you kind of put the piece on, and you're like, okay, now I can put that to bed. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I've, I've thought about it a lot more recently, and like thinking, like. Um, in a way, like the act of making something will be the process of me understanding and putting, yes. putting a bow on it. Kind yes. of going, that's what that is. That's the sense I've made of whatever that experience of my life is, and that bit makes the uh, the act of doing it like a uh, an active and sort of kind of empowering journey of sort of self discovery. Yeah. and you know, acceptance and all that kind of stuff. And how lucky are we as writers to be able to do that? To yeah. be able to have this way of going, that was really confusing. I don't understand what was going on there. What was I thinking? And then being able to put all that those thoughts onto the page yeah. and hopefully, as you say, come to some sort of, well, put a bow on it and kind of move on somehow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a lovely... It's, this is why I, I'm really interested in this sort of... the intersection between sort of art, artistry and sort of self or self... I don't know, development or self-understanding, you mm. know, because I think you can't divorce the two, you know, it's, mm. it's the same journey in a way. It's, uh, um, 
Yeah. Sorry, I'm just confirming. Just checking my questions. I will cut this bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, leading on naturally from that, what's um, what's the creative thing that you've done in your life that you're most proud of? Is there something that stands out as being something especially uh, important to you that you're pleased with how it kind of came out? Yeah, I think I think. For me, I will, so I made a web series with Amani mm. called Off Stage, which was 12 episodes. And it was the first piece that we made together. And yeah, it was on YouTube. And it's still on YouTube. And it's still on YouTube, Off Stage, how <laughs> um, And it was about actors living in London. Um, and we got all our friends involved, and, you know, the actors, and... An amazing team who um, directed it and shot it and made it with us. We were very lucky. Um, and it looks great. It looks, you know, it's really well. And I'm together. and I'm so proud of it because it was the first thing we ever did. And you know, we'd never made anything first of all together before. We we were very good friends, but we'd never worked in a professional capacity together before. And also, we'd never produced anything like that before. And I think. I think I just feel really proud that we got that up and the quality is good. And, you know, you look back and think, oh, you do always do things differently. But I really try and look back and go, but having had not made that, maybe I wouldn't have continued to make work. Mm-hmm. So I'm just really proud of that work that we did. And 12 episodes is quite a lot. Mm. If I was going to make a web series now, I can tell you I would probably do four or six. Yeah. But because we were so naive to making work, we were like, yeah. let's do 12. And that just... Um, Seems insane. Yeah. But I kind of love that courage that we had just to make 12 when we'd never made one before. Yeah. Um, and we were really strict about it with ourselves. You know, we were really like motivated and um, treated it, you know, like a, like a job. And I think that that's kind of how you do need to make work sometimes, mm. if you can. And um, that we had the, the know-how to kind of do that in the beginning, even though we didn't have the know-how, but we had the... The desire to do that, I'm very, pr- I'm still very proud of that, that piece. Yeah. That's um, recognise that sort of like you say the naivety of uh, being uh, a beginner at something. Yeah. And just get kind of going for it, and yeah, maybe uh, achieving something that you later in life you might not uh, even venture because yes. it's like so bold. <laughs> um, was it challenging? Um, I think it was. Yeah, it was challenging. Because everything was for the first time. Yeah. So I remember the first time, like, you know, hearing our words said by other people. You know, the first time you're writing, you go, God, hearing someone else saying my lines, it's so weird. Whereas now I'm probably quite used to that. But I remember finding that difficult. Um, and also, you know, managing being in it. We were in it, both of us. Um, and, you know, making sure the actors turned up for the set, you know, in the morning and getting the locations. Um lots of different responsibilities yeah it was a lot of responsibilities and then obviously when you're filming there's a huge sort of um post-production on it and learning all of that stuff for the first time um we were i mean we had an amazing team we were really lucky with that so we didn't direct it we didn't edit it or anything like that but we were kind of overseeing all of that so yeah i think but i also think had that had we not had that experience i wouldn't have Maybe, I don't know, maybe I would have still started making my own work and mm. another, I'm sure I would have done, but, you know, that is how it happened for me and I feel 
very thankful to that person who started that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that so version of me. Yeah. Of <laughs> Thank you, younger Hattie. Well. <laughs> um, what about um, so in in yeah your kind of creative work? What's what's the hardest lesson that you've learned over the years? Um, the hardest lesson I've learned. I think um, I think in life as a person as a friend mm. I like to be um, I like to go with the flow I like to be quite open to new ideas and let's do that yeah happy to do that flexible you know whatever mm. I'm quite happy to sort of take a, take a back seat in a nice you know I like I like playing that role in friendships I think I'm quite go you know relaxed person but when I'm making my own work, I kind of can't be that person. Because if I've got a vision and I know how I want something done, and someone makes another suggestion, and I'm very, I love suggestions, but if I don't agree and I don't want to go that route, mm. being able to sort of say that in order to stick up for myself and my vision, yet also battle with the idea that I don't want to upset someone or offend someone which I'm sure they wouldn't be mm. but I think I have that internal feeling of like oh god they're gonna think I don't like their ideas at all or that's how I think oh god how am I gonna manage that and how am I gonna say that without sounding rude or I think that's something I've I've had to sort of work through myself is managing um being the person that's written something and making sure that later on in the process it still remains kind of how I've Wanted it. Obviously, having mm. other people working on it creatively is the most important thing yeah. ever because they make it better. But I mean, in order to still keep the roots of what I want, yeah. yet not feeling like I'm being a bitch or something, that's, yes. I think, something I have to work on. Is there, um, so it sounds like to me that that's, uh, yeah, kind of that balancing, you know, healthy collaboration which invites ideas that make the thing better yes. and protecting the vision thing in kind of a, you know a boundaried and human kind of way without being a dick about it yeah um as and so there felt times where you kind of not got that balance quite right yeah or, or like felt like oh, i just don't like that i don't like in my head i like, don't like what's going on i don't like that but not feeling i can like say right. kind of silencing yourself yeah yeah but but i but i think i have always managed i think i have managed to say i don't think i've ever like kept something back and got annoyed about it but just feeling like god how am i going to do this diplomatically yes and um so i exactly as you say keeping the collaboration because that's so important but also being true to why i'm making this project or yeah. what i see for this project yeah and there's there and there is a ten uh, there is a tension in that and you can't ever get rid of it and neither do you would you want to because when you're in an environment i guess where you're collaborating people are generating lots of possibilities and you want to be able to cherry pick from that. And sometimes yeah. those things are going to clash a little bit. Yeah. But um, So what sort of things do you do uh, to sort of navigate that diplomatically, do you think? Um, what helps you kind of <laughs> keep it on an even keel? I suppose just... Um, I suppose just being re really... Just really honest about it. About... And in a... And not making it... Uh, just being really honest, really clear, positive. Mm. It's not personal. It's just this is how I see this. I see this. I want to keep this, and um, I think maybe it's easier than than it feels in your head. 
Mm. Yeah. Like there's um, yeah, maybe a, a fear in your head of whether I say this, this person's going to be crushed or think yeah. it's an idiot. And actually they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. They don't care at all. You probably care much more in your own head yeah. about your own project than they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, you're holding this kind of weight to it and yeah. fear and stuff like that. It's probably not there. <laughs> Weird, we do to ourselves. Who you sort of encountered like along the way, like you know, acting or uh, performing or writing or, or any other other way, who sort of had an impact on. Not just the work you do, you do, but more specifically, I think, how you go about working, who sort of, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So Tara Robinson, um, who I work, who's a good friend, and also I work with her when I, oh God, it must have been back in sort of 2012 or something, we did a couple of projects together. Hmm. Um, so Tara Robinson's a director, um, but she's really, I would say, a uh, I'm not sure how she'd describe herself, but I would describe her as a sort of maker, a theatre maker. Mm. And I remember when I first started working with Tara, I had not come across the kind of... I'd not been in the kind of work that she was making before, which was very performance-based. Um, and As opposed to acting. Yes, yeah. Right. yeah. But we would improv um, in the rehearsal room, then mm. we would come up with things, and then they would go in the show, and then we'd sing a song, and then we'd do a full-blown scene... And then it would go into um, something completely um, just uh, what's the word like just not in not in the scene at all like something completely separate. I think the work that Tara was making was actually more German because then I went to Germany and saw lots of theatre and I was like oh gosh this is where Tara's in or I'm not sure if it was her influences but I should ask her actually but it felt very German. Mm. And I hadn't come across that work before. And I think at the time, it was all so new to me. Um, but actually, as the years have gone on, that work has become sort of more important to me in my head somehow. Mm. And that way of working without sort of such a structure and feeling free to kind of um, put different styles of work together at the same time feels more relevant than ever. Oh, wow. And I wasn't really aware of that back in 2012 when we were making it. Yeah, this is just uh, her way of doing it. Yeah. Um, actually, that's kind of had a, a liberating kind of rip. Yeah, and it's taken a few also. years to kind of come through. Mm. As, as I always enjoyed making that work with her. But I never kind of thought, oh, that's the kind of work maybe I might start making or I might like. It's like, and now I'm kind of like, oh, okay. I like making film. I also like making theatre. Maybe the next piece I make might be part film, part theatre. I don't know, I feel like it's kind of... Really um, uh, being more open with like form. Yes, and stuff. yeah. And how you sort of conceive projects, how they might go. Yeah, and how there doesn't, you know, if this is the intention of the work, there isn't one way to make that and do that. You can kind of mix, mix form um, and, and that's really fun as well. Mm. <laughs> that sounds like a, an amazing thing to have. Um, uh, impact on your life sounds very free yeah you know, creatively um, what's your relationship to imposter syndrome I think we all have I mean I don't know I have yeah I feel is that one of the questions you ask everyone I'm just wondering is that 
I think maybe I should. Yeah. I, it comes up, I, actually, it, it's come up it, more as something in response rather than I've asked. Okay, yeah. So, and, and uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think, I think, yes, I have it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Is it well, I don't know what to say. I think. <laughs> But it exists. It's true for you. Do you do you um, do you sort of find you have to? Is it a big thing? Is it something you have to sort of manage sometimes? Does it rear its head um, sometimes more than others? Just, uh... Yes, I think if I'm, it it rears its head when I'm not feeling like I'm making enough work, mm. or I feel like I'm happy with my output. That's when I feel it. If I'm really busy in a project, doing a project, and I feel like I'm happy with it, I think I don't feel it as much. Mm. I mean, maybe that's an obvious thing to say, but... But there's what well, sounds like uh, sort of productivity. I'm, I'm not making enough yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's when I... Yeah. 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 Is that when you're um, maybe sort of a lower period of activity, you know, uh, maybe, you know, other demands in life are sort of um, in the front seat and yeah. that's in the back seat. So that's kind of like, I'm not doing what I should be doing. Yeah, that kind yeah. Of thing. And I'm calling, I'm still calling myself a Exactly, yeah. yeah. I didn't do any of that today. I think I had that at the beginning of the year. Right. I think I said, yeah, you know, you just you just don't feel like you're making enough in order to call yourself mm. what you want to and how you identify. Mm. But then as soon as you have another project on, you're doing it again. For me, that's when it kind of goes out the window. Yeah, when I'm actually doing yeah. it. Yeah. There's... Um, this idea of uh, this sort of creative, uh, you know, seasons, and there are seasons mm. to, you know, harvest yes. and stuff, and then, then there's the fallow season, the winter season, where, you know, you're not doing as much, things are in the background, um, and maybe you're, you know, the soil is resting and all of that kind of thing, but holding on to the fact that, no, I'm still, yeah. I'm still a writer, okay, well, I might not be doing that, but I'm still that, it's quite difficult in those times, yeah. you know, it can get a bit self-flagellating. Yeah. Um, but then also I think when you go through those times mm. and then you come out the other side and then you make work again, I hope it will get easier when you have those fallow times in those times to go, this is important too. This is part of yes. it. Yeah, yeah. This is enabling the next piece because this is going to spur me on. This is going to give me ideas. Yes. And not beat yourself up about it when you're in it. Yeah, to get away from this kind of... Uh, idea of viewing yourself as a, a, a machine that has to be productive, constantly churning out stuff and yeah, taking more of an organic, natural kind yeah. of uh, uh, view of it. Um, yeah, and I suppose the longer you, the more times you go through that cycle, I suppose, you, the more you easily recognise where you are in that and you can give yourself a, a bit of a break. Yeah. Um, have you got, what, have you, what are your creative dreams at the moment? I, do you know, I really want to take something to Edinburgh. Mm. I'd really like to take something to Edinburgh. Um, so the play I, the short play I wrote at the minis, the Arcola Notice, developing that. And I think there's an hour play in that. Mm. Um, it was a two-hander. I think I'm going, well, I am going to make it a three-hander. I'd love to take it to Edinburgh. Um, or I'd love to have it on in London. Um, I think it could be an hour, as I say, yeah. Mm. And I think that could be great for... Maybe someone like the old red where I did that girl, it would work as well. Yeah. Um, so that at the moment is my creative dream to yes. have that on. Um, so that's a little bit about. Well, so there's obviously you feel there's legs in the idea. And I do. Yeah. Yeah. Inspired by it. and also um, 
What's the what's the appeal of Edinburgh or is it that? Um, I guess I suppose Edinburgh. Um, I think because I've so I've been to Edinburgh as an actor, but I've never had my own work on at Edinburgh, okay. and I wonder really whether it's I would just love to have a play that I've written on in Edinburgh for a month mm. and get to perform it every day. I hate myself by the end. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And maybe I won't do it in Edinburgh, maybe I'll do it in London. But um, it feels like an Edinburgh kind of show. It'll be an hour. Yeah. And it would work well in that kind of, those kind of venues and those audiences. That sounds like a, a, another um, stop along the, the, that journey of, you know, sort of owning your, your work. Uh, you know, yes, as a performer yeah. And, you know, yeah. building something on that platform. Yeah. Yeah. I also really sorry I'm talking about creativity. I got so many. I also yeah. really want to make another web series. Really. Okay. Yeah. Have you got an idea about, for that? Maybe that's or... me. Um, I would love to make a vlog web series, um, with the character that I wrote for Portraits. Yeah. Yeah. I'd really like to turn her into a kind of four-parter, um, and maybe maybe actually I'm not sure. This is early stages. This is more in my head. Mm. But maybe it isn't going to be that actual character who's looking for the next leader of the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. but it's going to be someone using the internet to look for something or to use in a, in a, in a capacity that we're not used to, but using it, doing a vlog, which people are used to watching. Mm. Yeah. So kind of like the, taking that concept and running with it. Yeah, I think. I also think it'd be quite fun to make just, you know, that's One person in a bedroom talking to camera. Yeah. I think. As a, well, I mean, whether or not you performed it, but as a, as a, as a writing exercise, you know, that sort yeah. of monologue kind of thing and trying to do that over a, a four-part narrative. Um, that's a, a really great um, exercise. I don't know why this is kind of coming to my head because I was watching it earlier in the week. Um, that's uh, Rosamund Pike. And yeah, State of the Union. Yeah, mm. I mean, that's a great, it's just such a, I mean, that's a, that feels like a web series. I don't know if it, if it was... Uh, no, I agree, because they're like 10 minutes long, yeah, aren't they, those episodes? Like mini yeah, plays, and it is all about the writing and the performance, you know. And it's, yeah. And it's, you kind of look at something like that, and, you know, coming back around to where we started, you know, it's the ability to create your own work on that kind of scale is so achievable. Yeah. You know, and a great testing ground for, um, you know, exploring ideas and stuff. Is there anyone that you admire in... Uh, yeah, in your kind of creative sphere, or even maybe someone you don't know. Ashling B, I don't know her, but um, <laughs> I think at the moment she's making amazing work. Um, is this her? This Way Up. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you like about that, and what, what do you like about um, her and the way she's making it? I think, um, I mean, she's so funny <laughs> to start with. She's also just... Um, the writing's really clever. It's mm. funny, but it gets you, and it's heartbreaking. And the relationship with her sister in that, with Sharon Hogan's character, um, yeah, just mesmerising, really. Mm. She's, um, it, it feels very recognisable, and, and there is a trope, isn't there, about the sort of, uh, the, the young, the out-of-control, kooky younger sibling... Yeah. And she somehow in her writing manages to sidestep the obvious cliched stuff about that. Right, and yeah. And it's unexpected but still real. Yeah. And you can really see that uh, that must be drawing on a lot from her. And it, yeah, it's so funny and 
like not in a not obvious way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, who else might do? Anyone else? Bryony Kimmings. Yeah. I really want to see. I haven't seen her latest show that she's touring now. Oh, it's great. Yeah, Have she's in uh, Melbourne at the moment. I think. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Um, I think. I think she added some more. Is she gonna? In this I'm or, sure she'll this be in. Autumn. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna check out. Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. I love all her work, really. Yeah. Yeah, she's fantastic. I went to her workshop earlier this year. Oh. Which is, yeah, she's an amazing teacher as well. Wow. Like, yeah. Knows her onions. <laughs> yeah. Is she Brighton-based? She is now, yeah. 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 She's been down there for a little while, so. Is there any advice that you'd give to your younger self about, you know, relative to your creative, um, you know, journey and performing yeah. and writing? Um, what would you tell her? I would say make more hmm. from a youngest, from a young, from a earlier point. Make more. And what's that about? Um, just always be making and writing and creating, even if you're not putting it on. Be. I think I think there is often a thing where you're. Why am I doing this? Am I writing this for this? Am I writing this for that? I used to have that, oh, what's the point of writing this? Mm. And actually sometimes, you know, you have to write so many things, so much stuff that'll never go on in order to work out what should go on. And mm. I think maybe in the beginning I wanted to write for a p- real purpose. Mm-hmm. And actually my advice would be, don't worry about what it is for. Just write something. Just mm. write a scene tomorrow. Write another scene the next day. Maybe one day you'll want to write a play. Just for the, the, the practice and, and the yeah, development of, yeah. of doing that. Yeah, and yeah. don't worry about why you're doing it. So, in less focused on outcome and yeah. more about the actual, you know, the doing of, of it. And yeah. Finding value in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. And then the outcome will come, I think. Yes. Yeah, because it will become clear if something's good or not or bits you want to work more on. Yeah. But you kind of have to have more generating more stuff yeah and you do have to write a lot don't you to, I, I mean, think to, you do yeah you, know, you have to well ever you have to write your really crappy crappy you know pages and they get incrementally better as time yeah on. yeah yeah write more yeah make more um is there like any kind of practical uh, advice or like tools that you find yourself coming back to either you know, writing or performing? Are there any things that's like, you know, oh yeah, this thing, I need to, uh, you know, use this bit of advice or um, way of working? I think going back to something I said earlier is giving myself time to write mm-hmm. and like dedicating certain days to it mm. rather than cramming it in in the mornings or in the evenings while I'm doing a million other things like to prioritise it mm. um, and um, not caring really about what other people think which I think I'm getting yeah I, yeah uh, what, uh, what about what's next like so there's, uh, you sound like you've got a couple of ideas. Are you, are you doing anything, are you writing at the moment? So anything? I'm writing, so I am developing this play Notice mm-hmm. um, with the intention of making it an hour long. 
and adding in this third character and then hopefully having that on next year. So what are we now with? September, yeah. Mm. I'd like to have that on next year. And I'd also like to write these four short films. So I think, and that's a project that I can be working alongside because they're, they're totally different yeah. ones, of, you know. Do you find it... Do you find it useful to be working on more than one thing at once? Sometimes, yes, yeah. because um, I think they sometimes strangely can influence the other in a good way. Mm. You can kind of bring things into one and, you know, at some point one will probably take the lead and you're kind of rolling with that now, we're doing that, and the other one takes a back seat. Yeah. But I think when you're when I'm writing, I'm very happy to be writing two things. Yeah, it's nice. And sometimes there are those spaces where, well, you know, there's a draft there that needs to be, that needs to sit. Yes, exactly. the other track. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, I'm going to reach the end of our time. Well, yes. Yeah, that's, yeah already. God, that went really quickly. Well, that was weird, didn't it? Yeah. Good chat. <laughs> Thank you very much, Hattie. Thank for you, Paul, yeah. With me. It's been really, um, yeah, it's been really enjoyable. Thank you. Enjoy this rain fun day. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
and the how and the what of making stuff real. Okay, and now it's over.